Radio, and tonight we have a very special interview with a couple of representatives of Operation Smile. It was conducted by Mariah Gonzalez. I'm your other Youth Radio host, Miles, and we also have a wonderful gender roundtable about, well, about gender, hosted by Diana. We also have some beautiful and lovely music chosen by our music hosts, Mariah and Kyle, which we're going to start playing now. I know that there are some of you listening who might turn the station if I told you the first song is by Linkin Park. Please don't. Linkin Park is not all screaming singers and guitars. To prove it, I have selected the piano version of In the End. See what you think of it. Next up is Mariah Gonzalez with two members of Cibola High School's international organization called Operation Smile. This is Mariah Gonzalez with KUNM Youth Radio. I'm here with two seniors, Tanner Easton and Cami Walker from Cibola High School. It's Operation Smile Club. Operation Smile is an international organization that repairs cleft lip and cleft palates for underprivileged children. Um, so would either of you like to say anything more about Operation Smile? Well... Operation Smile is an um, international organization, and there's uh, student-run clubs in many states across the nation and in many countries, and they raise money and awareness for the international organization, which goes in and fixes the cleft lips and palates of the children in third-world countries. 88% of the funds raised go towards surgeries, and there have been more than 100,000 surgeries in more than 30 countries in the last 25 years. Cami, what is a cleft lip and a cleft palate? Well, a cleft lip is just an opening in your lip somewhere, just um, up on, just going up into your face, and it can be on one side or on both sides. So you can have two openings, and a cleft palate is an opening in the soft, like in a hole, like a hole in the soft tissue um, in the back of your mouth, and can cause a lot of problems with eating and drinking and speaking. Cleft lips and palates are easily remedied, though. The surgery only takes about forty-five minutes to fix either of them and it costs about $250 to perform the surgery. But children who have cleft lips and cleft palates are shunned. They can't eat properly. They can't speak properly. They are excluded from almost all social activities. In some countries, they're left to die. So it's very important that Operation Smile fix these because it's so simple, so easy, and it has such a huge impact. Cami, how... Did you become involved with Operation Smile at Cibola High School? Well, um, I joined Operation Smile with um, Tanner. His sister was the founder of it at, for the Cibola chapter. And I joined as a sophomore. And just because I was friends with them, I got involved. And um, I really got involved with it when I went to the International Student Leadership Conference two years ago in Virginia. And I, it really just after that just pushed me to become more and more active in it. Cool. And Tanner? Well, since my sister was the founding member four years ago and my mother is the sponsor, it seemed natural that I would become involved. I became enthusiastic when I went to the ISLC in Virginia with Cami. Okay, well, what is ISLC? 
International Student Leadership Conference. It's a conference where students from Operation Smile clubs around the world come to um, learn about Operation Smile, to learn fundraising techniques, to learn awareness techniques, to learn about about the surgeries, and to prepare them for what they might do in their clubs. Do you want to add anything, Cammy? Yeah, um, International Student Le- Leadership Conference this year is going to be in Ireland, and when we go there, um, students just come from all over the world. It's not just held in the United States. Um, kids from the Middle East and from South America and Europe come also, and it's a chance for all of us to get to meet each other. And after you go to ISLC, you are able to apply to go on a mission for Operation Smile. Okay, and I know both of you have been on missions, so would either of you like to tell about your missions in particular? Maybe what you guys did there, where you were going? Okay, um, I went on my mission this last September to Ampangani, South Africa, and um, I was right on the coast. I wasn't near Cape Town. I was in the eastern side of the country, and we were in a, a small town, and um, it was the first mission that Operation Smile has been on to South Africa, so it was a really special mission, and um, we got there, and uh, we screened probably about 100 kids for surgery. They all just come to the hospital, and we have two days of screening where they all come through, and they get full like physicals from these doctors and nurses, and they each get to see a speech pathologist who identifies what their specific facial deformity, like how it affects their speech, their like how they eat and drink, and we can identify them after that if they're healthy enough to undergo anesthesia and have surgery with us. Do you want to talk about your mission, Tanner? Uh, this past July, I went to Russia to a city called Novosibirsk in Siberia. There were more than a million people in the city, but um, we didn't have as many patients as a lot of the other missions because it was the fifth mission to Novosibirsk. So the city is actually becoming self-dependent because each time that they go back, they teach more and more doctors how to perform the surgeries. So ne- so on my mission, nearly half of the doctors that were performing surgeries were locals. So that's a real encouragement. And um, it was really interesting to see that the Russian Russians that I had expected to be so poor, so strange, so foreign, were a lot closer to Americans than I had ever expected. Okay, and Cammy, did you want to talk about maybe some of the other things that you did? Okay, um, one of the biggest roles as a student on a mission is education. And what we do, we when we go to mission training after you've been accepted, you um, learn how to teach health presentations on dental hygiene and burn care and prevention and oral rehydration therapy, different things like that. And so when we go to these countries, we can teach these presentations to the kids and their families and parents in the hospitals. But also as a student um, team member, we get to leave the hospital during the week while surgeries are going on. We go out into the community and visit schools and orphanages, and we give these presentations to these kids here. I had a lot of really special experiences, but one of them that just really stuck out to me was um, one morning I was going in the storage room to get some stuff out to help the nurses out. And while I was there, there was a the, we were next door to the pediatric ward of our hospital that we were in and just lined up in this hallway where a bunch of little kids sitting on benches. And they were all in their hospital gowns and they were eating their breakfast, just this little cup of mush. And they were all just staring at me with 
big, huge eyes. And so I just saw them. I mean, they looked really bored. So I went and I got a bunch of toys and necklaces and stickers and bubbles and went and like gave each of them their own little toy and necklace and blew bubbles with them and played with them for a while. And they, I mean, they just lit up before they were so stoic. And then when somebody like paid attention to them, they just came alive and it was really cool. And then so every day after that, I would just go and visit them in their ward every day and play with them because how it was set up, our ward, they just all had these beds with big bars on them that looked like cages. And they would all just lay in their beds all day, these little three-year-old kids. I mean, they're, they're alone in the hospital because their parents have to work. They can't stay there with them. So I'd get them up and get them out of bed and bring crayons, and we'd all color on the floor together. And then... Um, there were a lot of kids in the hospital who had AIDS who were just, like, ready to die, basically. And, I mean, one little kid, I went over to him, and he was laying in his bed, and he was too weak to sit up. And I was blowing bubbles through the bars to him, but he, he was trying to put his arm up to touch them because he'd never seen them before, but he, like, couldn't lift his arm up. And he was just too weak, and um, it was really hard seeing all of that, but I'm so grateful for it just because I've learned so much and it's opened my eyes to how things are around the world. Okay, thank you. So are there any goals or aspirations that your club has? Last year, the Operation Smile Club at Cibla raised $22,000, and we sent $18,000 into the international headquarters that went towards over 70 surgeries. So last year we did a lot of fundraising, and we, we sent quite a few kids to leadership conferences. But this year we want to spend more of our energy on sending students to leadership conferences because in the grand scheme of things, $22,000 isn't that much money for Operation Smile. But if we can raise awareness, if we can get students excited about Operation Smile and create people who will be lifelong members by sending them to op- ISLCs, then that will make a bigger impact in the long run. So... Our big goal for this year is to send as many kids as we can to Ireland this summer. And Cammy, are there any other goals that you may know of? Um, I'm part of um, the Student Advisory Board for Operation Smile, and one of my main roles, as well as what our club's going to work on, is to spread Operation Smile chapters to other schools in New Mexico and the Albuquerque area. And so hopefully, I mean, we've just, a new club has been started at Bosque, and hopefully we'll be able to take it to other schools and... They can start clubs there. If if anyone would like to know more about Operation Smile, has a desire to start a club at their own school, then they can contact us through Cibola High School. So okay. if anyone's interested. Do you guys want to give a number, a phone number, or information on how they can get in touch with you guys? It would be at 897-0110, which is the Cibola High School um, telephone number. So if there's anyone who's interested in starting a club, they can either call there or just send a letter or something, and we'll get back to you promptly. And so, Tanner, what does it involve to go on a mission? The first step to a mission is attending an international student leadership conference. After that, you have to apply, and if you're accepted, then you're sent to a mission training workshop. After the mission training workshop, um, where you meet the person that you'll be on your mission with, you find out where you're going, and you start preparing. Um, before you leave, you need to collect 50 pounds of supplies, usually toys, for the children that you'll be with. So usually that's bubbles, crayons, markers, coloring books, paper airplanes, and such. And um, you need to get ready 
and you need to uh, create presentations to educate the kids on simple things like hydration, nutrition, burn care. And then after that, after you're all done, uh, you have a little conference call with your sponsor, the student sponsor that you'll be with, and the other student that you're on the mission with, and then you're off. Usually the missions last between two and three weeks. Uh, and it's usually the supplies that we take on our mission, because 50 pounds is a lot of toys. Um, a lot of it's donated to us from kids in the school or people in the community. And, I mean, we welcome all the donations we can get, because a lot of times, just because it's so much that we have, um, it falls just on the student to purchase them themselves. And, it, it, I mean, it's just really great, because for my mission, everything was donated to me, and it was such a great help to just take that burden off of me. Well, thank you, Cammy. Thank you, Tanner. It was a pleasure to do this interview and hope a lot of people got the information they needed from this. Thank you for having us. It's been a it's been a real opportunity, thank you. And this is Mariah Gonzalez with KUNM Youth Radio. And that was Tanner Easton and Cammy Walker, two seniors from Cibola High School's Operation Smile. That was our own Mariah Gonzalez interviewing Tanner Easton and Camille Walker. For more info, go to operationsmile.org or email Easton at easton underscore mj at aps.edu. And now here's Mariah with some super duper musica. Hi, this is Mariah, and I'm back again with music on KUNM Youth Radio. Up next is two old school songs. The first one is Love Grows by Edison Lighthouse, and the second one is Do You Want to Dance by Bobby Freeman. Please enjoy. wonderfully awesome gender roundtable hosted by Diana, and I hope you will enjoy it very much. Good evening. Uh, tonight we're going to be in the studio talking about gender roles uh, in, in society today, and in the studio with me I have Jonkalyn Hill, Miles Anderson, Lucia Martinez, and John John Guzman. My first question for all of you is, how do you feel about friendships between people of the opposite sex? Uh, do you feel it's easier to get along with boys or with girls? And I'm going to start with Lucia. Okay, well, um, I feel that it's pretty much the same for both of them. I, I mean, I'm good friends with both guys and girls, but I guess I have more friends that are girls. <laughs> anyway, I, I guess it just kind of depends on what you're talking about. Like, you can't talk to guys about another guy or your girl problems because <laughs> they'll freak out. So, Yeah. What about you, Junklin? Um, I think when I was younger, I used to be more nervous around guys and things like that. 
But now it doesn't really matter. It's more of that particular person. I don't necessarily get nervous around a particular, like particularly guys or girls. It just depends on the person I'm talking to. Okay. Miles? Um, I pretty much feel the same way. Uh, girls and guys are pretty much just as easy to get along as anyone else. I mean, it's it's a little harder to talk to girls about, you know, something that may be affecting you at home that involves your feelings or like something like that. But that's about it. Okay. And John John? Um, I think it's, you know, it's pretty easy to talk to both girls and guys, but I know that like some guys can get really nervous around girls and vice versa. And yeah, but personally, I think it's pretty pretty easy to talk to both guys and girls. Do any of you know anyone who clam up around people of the opposite sex? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Didn't seem like that demographic was represented in this little <laughs> slice of young people. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. So, uh, do you feel there are certain expectations put on guys or girls in today's society? And how do you think that's changed over the years? Uh, let's start with Miles. Um, I think some expectations that could be put on guys or girls in today's society is that um, guys are kind of expected to be manly and very, like, stoic in their feelings and in their emotions. And I think also they're expected to like women that are that are pretty, quote, or that are, like, you know, that are skinny or that wear a lot of makeup or something like that, and they can't like them for who they are or their personality. Okay. And Lucia? I definitely think that there's um, certain... Uh, boxes that we both that both guys and girls um, are supposed to fit in or their peers think that they need to fit in our peers think that we need to fit in anyway um, yeah like guys are supposed to be tough and not supposed to cry because if they do they're considered gay or wimps it's just stupid crap like that and girls are supposed to be skinny um, they're supposed to be very emotional or whatever and we're supposed to, like, be stupid, too. How about Jacqueline? Um, I think maybe the biggest expectation that girls have is probably to be cute all the time. And I don't think it's possible to be that cute 24-7, 360 day, day, 365 <laughs> days a week. Excuse my bad. <laughs> but it's just... It's not possible. It's possible. I mean, everybody has a bad day. And I think guys are sort of expected to, like, maybe not as macho as they were expected to be in the past. But if you see two guys talking about their feelings, it's kind of like, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. Okay. And John, John, do you have anything to add to all that? Yeah, um, I think the guys are supposed to be kind of like these rocks that they're like these people who are like, you know, they have no emotions and they're just, you know, supposed to be like completely strong, both, you know, they can't cry, as you know, they've said, I mean, other round table people have said, and they're supposed to be, you know, almost emotionless, just like rocks, and 
Um, I think they're also kind of thought to be like, I think that some of the expecta- expectations that are like put on girls and guys together is that like in a family, guys are kind of like thought to be the people who will bring bring home the bacon. And, you know, it seems like uh, girls are like supposed to grow up to be like the people who are going to cook it. Um, This is John Quillen. I think when it comes to whole bringing home the bacon thing, now women... I don't think are expected so much as just to be able to cook it, but to make it and then cook it and then clean up after all that cooking. (laughs) They're expected to sort of be like the superwoman, super mom, I can do everything type deal. Does anyone have anything to add to that? I think that happened, or this is Lucia. I think that especially happens in cases where there's single mothers. I think that happens a lot. Okay. All right, cool. Um, what do you all think is the biggest issue today for girls and guys, respectively, and how that's different for each gender? Um, let's start with John John. Um, I think that, uh, the, like, one of the biggest problems is, like, all the insecurities that both girls and boys have. Like, they think about, like, what they're going to look like that day, what people are going to think of them that day, uh, you know how they're going to do in school that day. They're really unsure about how the day is going to go. And it just, you know, people should be able to know that their day is going to go well. Or, yeah. So do you feel that both guys and girls have the same issues that they have to deal with? Yeah. Uh, pretty much equally too. It's not really a matter of, you know, girls might get it more than guys. Okay, cool. How about John Glenn? I think probably, probably the biggest issue each like sex has is probably finding out who they are as a person I mean it seems like it's supposed to be like we have all these different issues guys and girls do but when you start to like simplify it and start really talking to people you realize that there's really not that big of a difference okay cool um Lucia um well yeah, I think that I pretty much disagree with both what John Colin and John John have said. So. And Miles? Um, some really big issues these days, I think, for girls and for guys is, you know, for girls to be pretty and to meet a guy's expectation. And I don't think that's that's right in society. I think I think a girl should be who they want to be and they don't have to worry about, you know, wanting to please someone. Okay, great. Um, and how much flexibility do you all feel that you have within those gender roles, in quotes? Um, Jonklin, do you want to start? Um, I think that girls are pretty restricted, but I think they have, um, much more flexibility than guys have. I think that like girls, they can be like, oh, that cute tomboy thing or, oh, that cute girly girl thing. But with guys, it's kind of like you don't really have a lot of flexibility or else people start to make assumptions. And that's not necessarily fair. I think that guys should be able to have as much flexibility as girls do. Okay. Uh, Miles? I think that me as a person, I have 
complete and total flexibility in my genitals, but that's just me because I don't really, I, I could care less what someone thinks about if, if I think someone's my friend and I go up and hug them and they're a guy. I could really care less if someone thought I was gay or if someone thought I was straight just for hugging another person. So I think there's a lot of flexibility in that. Lucia? I definitely think that um, pe um, peers pr try to press guys's, guys' flexibility down because, yeah, the whole thing about hugging, you usually don't see guys hugging each other in the hall because they think that somebody's going to make assumptions about them. And I think that girls, well, girls are allowed to, like, hug each other without being um, lesbians or whatever. And I don't know, it's just stupid. It's a stupid thought process that um, we all should be in some sort of box. And if we go out of that box in any way, then we're considered not normal or whatever. <laughs> John, John, do you have anything to add? Um, yeah, I think that the that girls do have a lot more flexibility um, in their gender role, as you call it, because they can, you can, you know, they can do a lot of stuff that would be looked down upon if it was a guy doing it. Like what? Uh, for instance, they brought up the hugging. Like, if a girl hugs another girl, then it's just, you know, normal. Nobody really minds it. But people kind of like, like if they see a guy hug another guy in the hall, at least in middle school, it's kind of like, whoa, I don't see that every day. Can you guys think of any other examples? Um, this is Jonquan. I think when a guy sometimes really dresses well, like has a lot of style, like people assume <laughs> that he's gay and that doesn't really make sense. He could just, you know, really like clothes. But um, referring back to something that John John said, like maybe it just is in middle school. It's sort of in high school, you can start to see people being more comfortable with themselves because I know some guys that will hug and a lot of times they'll be just goofing around but that's a step farther than you'll see I think when you're younger when you're still sort of self-conscious about yourself. John John? Um, I think John Colin brought up a good point. It's I think it's a lot of like maturity matters like guys who might think it's like gross for some reason or something and they might you know they might look down upon it themselves but it's because they don't you know, they don't really understand it fully yet. They don't really know who they are yet or what they are. Thanks, guys. That's all really good points. Um, so if in the snap of a finger you could get rid of one gender stereotype, like automatically, what one would it be? And let's start with Lucia. Okay. Um, mine would be that women are, like, they can't be in a place of power, like, in the past, there's never been a president of the United States that's been a woman. And that better change pretty soon because women are just as good as guys at anything and everything. So, go us. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. How about Jonquilin? Um, Well, with women becoming more and more in power, I think it'd be sort of cool to be able to see stay-at-home dads without them being, you know, considered just lazy. I mean, traditionally we're told that a man should take care of a woman, but what if that woman has a really important job, she doesn't want to give it up, but they that family still wants somebody at home with the kids. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily being lazy. He just wants to spend time with his family. 
Miles? Um, I think what Lucia said is really good because I, I really think that women are kind of like looked down upon if you're trying to get in a position of power or like something that men feel is a man's job and that shouldn't be given to women. So, yeah, I would definitely eliminate that stereotype. And John John? Um, I'd probably eliminate some of the stereotypes like every guy plays like football. Like they're supposed to be these strong like football players. And maybe one that like all all guys can fend for themselves. Like there are a lot of programs uh in today's, you know, in New Mexico and stuff for pregnant women and for, you know, single moms and stuff. But there's not a whole lot of stuff for, you know, single dads and for men in general. Okay, great. So we're going to have one final question, uh, which is, how do you feel gender stereotyping has affected who you are as a person? And we're going to start with John John. Um, personally, I think it kind of, like gender st- uh, the gender roles, it kind of makes you wonder what people are going to think about you that day. Like they think, you know, me personally, it's like, what will so-and-so think about this shirt or what will they think about you know, the way I act today or what I do today. Lucia? I definitely think that gender stereotyping has made me stronger because in my experiences with it are sexism, pretty much. Mostly, I think it's sexism. Um, Is that, uh, like, it, it just makes me really, really mad and so it makes me strive harder for what I'm good at and what I believe in. And then it makes me disprove all those stupid people out there. So it makes me feel really good, so, yay. Jacqueline? Um, I think it's made me stronger too. Like, I think it's almost helped my leadership skills a little because say I'm in chemistry and we're about to do a lab and I like I've had a lab partner that'll just sort of take over like, No, you're messing it up. And so I don't know, it just makes me wanna prove myself harder and prove that yeah, I do know what I'm doing. You're just being stupid. Miles? Um, I think gender stereotyping also has made me stronger because I try to avoid it and I just, I do what I think is right and I don't really tend to stay in the gender box, quote. Can you give an example of that? Um, just like not, you know, if I'm sad, I mean, I'll cry if I'm that sad. I don't really, I'm, I'm comfortable crying in front of other people. So that's, that's one example. All right. Well, you have been listening to a roundtable on gender roles in society today. With me in the studio are Jonklin Hill, uh, Miles Anderson, Lucia Martinez, and John John Guzman. I'm Diana Baron Moore for Youth Radio. That was a gorgeously inspiring gender roundtable hosted by our very own Diana Baron Moore. And now on to our wonderful music host. It's our goal at Youth Radio to make sure you can never guess what's coming up next. Up now we have A Thousand Years by Sting.
Hi everybody, this is Mariah again, and that was Wedding Bells by Laura Nairo. I hope you liked it, and here is our calendar host, John John and Lucia. Hello all you crazy cool kids, you're listening to your weekly calendar. I'm Lucia Martinez. And I'm John John Guzman. We've got quite a bit lined up for you tonight. Albuquerque High School's orchestra is performing at Albuquerque High. It starts at 7 o'clock p.m. on December 6th. The concert includes Valley High School's orchestra and chorus and Albuquerque High's school concert and chamber bands. The first four Friday nights in December, the 1st, 8th, 15th, and 22nd, from 7 to 8.30 at the First Church of Religious Science, there will be dance classes that will cover beginning merengue, Cuban-style salsa, and ballroom rumba. No partner or experience necessary. The First Church of Religious Science is located at 3320 San Pedro Drive Northeast, just south of Comanche. Let's celebrate peace at the Center for Peace and Justice on Friday, December 15th from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Inanna and Uprising Voices will be performing as a fundraiser to provide for youth scholarships and creating a culture of peace workshops for personal and social change. Donations will be accepted at the door. The number for more information is 275-0597. Dylan Minor, doctoral candidate in Contemporary Arts of the Americas, will present a discussion on the history and role that Atzlan plays with post-1968 Chicano art. This is on Tuesday, December 5th at 5.30 p.m. in Johnson Gallery, 1909 Las Lomas Northeast. The number for more info is 277-4967. Parking will be available at the rear of the gallery. Attention high school seniors. In celebration of its 25th anniversary, New Mexico's only nonprofit student loan organization, New Mexico Student Loans, will award 25 college scholarships of $1,000 to each class of, 20, of 2007 graduates from New Mexico Public High Schools. The scholarships are, are intended to support students who have a strong desire to succeed in college but may not qualify for other scholarships or sufficient financial aid. Recipients will be selected based on merit, aptitude, effort, and financial need. Scholarship information and applications are being distributed through public high school counseling offices and are available at the NMSL website, which is www.nmstudentloans.org. Scholarship applications must be returned to public high school counseling offices no later than January 15, 2007. The winners will be announced in May of 2007. On Monday, January 15, 2007, at Grant Chapel, African Methodist Episcopal Church will present its 11th annual community breakfast um, commemorating Martin Luther King's life and ideals at the Marriott Pyramid North Hotel beginning at 8 o'clock a.m. The theme is a day on, not a day off. Dr. Frederick D. Haynes III, community activist and senior pastor of Friendship West Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, is the keynote speaker. Generous corporations and organizations throughout the city fund scholarships in amounts of $500 and $1,000 that the Grant Chapel Lay Organization will award to worthy applicants. Scholarship applications have been mailed to pastors throughout the city and are now available. To obtain your application, contact a pastor or the Grant Chapel Church office at 293-1300. The application deadline is December 20th, 2006. Breakfast 
Tickets are also available. You can contact Raymond Smith at 263-2819 for more information. For all you aspiring journalists, Princeton University's summer journalism program is a 10-day, all-expenses-paid summer journalism program held in August at Princeton University for students from under-resourced financial backgrounds. To apply for the program, you must meet the following qualifications. You must be entering your junior or senior high school year, or year in high school, in, of fall 2007. You must have at least a 3.0 grade point average of, out of a 4.0. You must have demonstrated an interest in journalism. All application materials are available at www.princeton.edu. The program is designed to give students a taste of what college life is like. If there are any events that you would like to contribute to the Youth Radio calendar, please send them to youthradio at kunm.org. If you would like to view our calendar events, you can go to www.kunm.org slash youthradio. And now back to our lovely hosts. That's it. The end. Fiend. Zip zilch zero. Peace out. Just joking. It's time for the credits. Tonight's producers were Jaren Kai and An Nguyen. Tonight's engineers were Jaren Kai and Jonkalen Hill. Our music directors this evening were Kyle Ferris and Mariah Gonzalez. Our lovely calendar was provided by John John Guzman and Lucia Martinez. Other youth radio members are Michael Harley, Philip Riley, Bella Castillo, and with special get well wishes, Nicole Bailey. Baby, pardon me. Our adult co-conspirators are Roberta Rael, Marcos Martinez, Roman Garcia, Steve Emmons, and special thanks to Elizabeth Dwyer for technical assistance in a time of great crisis. Yeah, and now it's the real end. The end.